Amen. 2,700 years ago, the prophet Isaiah wrote these words. The rain and snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. Uh, they cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It's the same with my word. I send it out, and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to, and it will prosper everywhere I send it. It is the same with my word. I send it out, and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to, and it will prosper everywhere I send it. And Maple Grove, check out what happens Check out what happens when God's word prospers, when, when God's word produces fruit, when God's word accomplishes everything that God wants it to. Isaiah continues, you will live in joy and peace. The mountains and hills were burst into song, and the trees of the field were clapped their hands. Where once there were thorns, cypress trees will grow. Where needles grew, myrtles will sprout up. These events will bring great honor to the Lord's name. They will be an everlasting sign of his power and of his love. Amen. May God bless the reading of his word. Hey, would you all pray with me? Open palms saying, God, I know you're going to bring something to me today, and I'm going to take it. I'm going to receive it. Heavenly Father, we just humbly come into your presence right now. You're worthy of our time. You're worthy of our attention. You're worthy of our effort. You're worthy of our intellect. You're worthy of our lives. And, and Father, I pray that in the next few minutes that we'll just get totally fired up about you and about your story and about how our story and your story can come together and we can be a part of this thing that you've been doing. And God, just help us right now. Lord, the enemy wants to, he, he doesn't want us to hear your truth. He's a liar a deceiver, a thief who wants to steal. And so protect us from him, and may we receive from you this morning. Speak, your people are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Maple Grove, welcome to the story. Awesome. Hey, if you're here for the first time, we're glad to have you. You picked a great day because today we are unveiling our coffee mugs, right? Hey, you fill out your connection card, you get this totally cool rocking coffee mug. I mean, it is awesome, holds, uh, uh, holds 14 ounces of liquid. I, I just love it. Fill out your connection card, you get one of these things. Members, you can buy them for five bucks, ten bucks if you're feeling generous, all right? But uh, glad you're here if you're visiting. We love Jesus. We believe in God's word. I am so pumped up. I am so stoked, so jazzed. I can hardly stand it, seriously, for real. I mean, this Friday, I'm in my bedroom working at the table, and I'm beginning the process of beginning to put in my laptop all the thoughts that were in my head and that I wrote down on paper, and literally, I actually did this, I got up out of my chair and started jumping up and down. And Leela, I was going to shout, but I thought I'd freak Leela out, and I didn't want to explain to her what was going on, so I, did, I shouted kind of quietly, I went, I know. I didn't want to freak her out. I didn't want to take time to explain. I was jumping. I said, you know, I want to jump. I said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. For weeks, for months, we've been talking about the story. And today, January 13, 2013, it is here. The journey has begun. A journey that I am convinced will produce fruit, will prosper that will accomplish all that God wants it to accomplish, that will change God's church at Maple Grove forever. Hey, look around this room. You got to move your heads to do that. I found that out, all right? My mom had eyes in the back of her head. She didn't have to do that, but I have to turn my head. But look around this room. Go ahead. Go ahead. Look around. Listen, I I'm confident that it will not and that we will not look the same the second Sunday of the year 2014. And again, I, I've been pumping and promoting the story for weeks, telling anyone who would listen in no uncertain terms that God is going to use the story to take us to places that we can't even begin to imagine both individually and as a church. Now, perhaps you may be thinking, okay, Steve, I hear you. I, I see the hype. I, 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 I see your pom-poms and your cheerleading. But how can you be so sure 
that 2013 in the story is not going to be a bust and turn out to be another year of same old, same old. I mean, how can you be so certain, Steve, that the hype will ever come close to meeting reality? And listen, I, I understand that kind of thinking. Because in life, a lot of things that we get all fired and pumped up about, they fall short. They don't deliver. I mean, sometimes the, the, the big bang we're expecting turns out to be a, a, a soft thud. This is going to be the best vacation ever. This is going to be the best Christmas season ever. This is going to be the best relationship I ever had, the best car I ever drove, uh, the best home I ever lived in. This is going to be the best you fill in the blank. But when all is said and done, the hype does not come anywhere close to meeting reality. But listen, let me tell you. Why I can stand before you today, January 13, 2013, 100% convinced that the story will deliver much more than any of my hype or pumpification. Brand new word. Check out the definition. <laughs> pumpification. The act of being so stoked, so fired and excited that you want to jump up and shout, yeah, yeah. Okay? And, and examples of pumpification. Uh, shouting because you won the lottery. Jumping on your couch because the Patriots have just won the Super Bowl. Woo! Go Patriots. Okay, we got to get through the Texans first. I get that. All right, but I like that word. I'm going to send it in. Okay, why am I so convinced that the story will deliver much more than any of my hype or pumpification? Because we can never overhype God's word. Never. I mean, let me say that again. We can never overhype the word of God. I mean, think about it. With just a word, let there be. God created everything. Billions of galaxies, trillions of stars. Our eye, our everything. He created everything with just his word. You can never overhype God's word. Check out what God says about it, his own word. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, he says this. For the word of God, it's living and active. It's not just words on a page. This book's not dead and dormant. It's living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And, and Paul said it this way to Timothy in 2 Timothy. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what, what is true. To make us realize what is wrong in our lives. Don't always like it, but it has a way of doing that, doesn't it? it? It corrects us when we're wrong. It teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. And, and, and Jesus talked about the power of God's word to produce. And the story he told it in, in Matthew chapter 13. It's a, a story about a farmer sowing seed. And it, the seed is the word of God. And, and listen, every time that God's word is shared... Anytime you and I gather to hear God's truth spoken, you know, we are either one of four types of soil. And the first type Jesus talked about, it, it, was, it was hard soil, the path. Yeah, and this is soil that is packed so tight. You know, arms harder folded that, that God's word can't even penetrate. So God's truth just kind of lays on top of the path and the enemy swoops down and takes it away. Sometimes God's word falls on rocky soil. And don't picture it as a bunch of gravel. This is really talking about a slab of rock covered by a thin layer of dirt. And what happens here is, you know, you're in here, right? We're filling out our outline. We're amen. Amen in Jesus. Jesus, you're, you're awesome. You're amazing. Holy as a lamb. But our roots aren't very deep, and we just quickly fade away. Jesus says sometimes his word falls on, on thorny soil, and this is so that there's so many other things growing up in the soil already, desire for things of this world, desire for wealth, desire for pleasure, desire for our own glory, desire for stuff, that God's word tries to poke its way up, but it gets choked out. And there's one type of soil called the good soil. He said this, the seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times what was planted. 30, 60, 100 times. That's a 3,000, 6,000, or 10,000% return. Who would like that on any investment? 
God says, that's a 10,000% return, not 0.5% return. Maple Grove, the word is living, it's active, it's sharp, it it always produces, it always accomplishes, it always prospers. And that's why I'm so confident. Sometimes I I scare myself. Okay, sometimes I scare myself because I'm like, I'm saying, okay, this is going to be the greatest thing ever. It's going to change your life. And I'm like, I was, I was doing my quad time. I go, God, wow, I'm just like, I'm saying this is going to change like everything. And I realize, yeah, I guess, well, it can't change everything. It's my word. It's not you, Steve. You know? So, okay, God, that's cool. I can't overhype your word. I can't overhype your word. I can never overhype your word. And so that's why I'm so convinced something's going to happen. Because my trust and my hope and my confidence it's not in me, it's not in you, but it's in God and the power of his word and presence. I just read this in Jeremiah 17 this week. It just validated what I was thinking. Here's what he says. This is what the Lord says. Cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans who rely on human strength. We can't do it, can we, John? We're not good enough. We're not smart enough to do anything. John's not counting on me to do it. I'm not counting on John to do it. My trust isn't in John. John's trust isn't in me. And turn their hearts away from the Lord. They're like stunted shrubs in the desert with no hope for the future. Uh, they live in the barren wilderness in an uninhabited salty land. Been in that salty land. Not a whole lot of fun. Not a lot of water to drink either. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. See, see, my trust and my hope and confidence and what's going to happen in 2013, it's not in me, it's not in you, but it's in the Lord. The Lord is where I place my trust, and the Lord is where I have my hope and confidence. And when I do that, when you do that, they are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green, and they never stop producing fruit. Okay, so, so what exactly is the story? Well, it, it's pretty much the Bible. In the story, you're going to find 80% of both the Old and the New Testament in here. And what they did, they, they've taken away the, uh, the names of the books, and they've taken away the chapters so it reads more like a novel. The story is based on God's word, you know, that supernatural, God-breathed, sharp, living, active book, the book that is like no other. I put this in your notes so you can have it, because the Bible is like no other book. Uh, The Bible was written over a period of 1,500 years, three languages, Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic, on three continents, Asia, Africa, Europe. It was written by 40 different writers from all walks of life, including kings, military leaders, peasants, poets, fishermen, prophets, statesmen, priests, scribes, scholars, shepherds, fig pickers. They picked figs, in case you were wondering, and even an IRS agent. That was Matthew. Bible was written many different places. Moses wrote in the what? Wilderness. Jeremiah in a dungeon, Daniel in the palace, Paul behind prison bars, Luke while traveling, John while in exile on the island of Patmos. They're written toward different moods. Some wrote from the heights of joy, others from the depths of sorrow and despair. Some wrote during times of certainty and conviction, others during days of confusion and doubt. The Bible was written in a variety of literary styles. In this book, we have poetry, song, romance, law, biography, prophecy, historical narrative, parable, and allegory. And here, here's my question. How can, how can the Bible... How can there be such unity of thought in the Bible? And if you ever read this book, that's what you're going to find. There's unity of thought. But, but how, how, can, how can there be such unity of thought in a book that was written over a period of, of 1,500 years, three continents, three languages by 40-plus different authors? How can there be such unity? Because really, there's just one author, God. Yeah, I don't care what the Discovery Channel said, all right? It's not the first century, a bunch of Christians, marshmallow, you know, um, um, having marshmallows in the fire and decided to grab a piece of paper and write down what the Bible is about. That's not how we got our Bible. Check this out. Peter put it this way. I guess he didn't know about the Discovery Channel yet, right? Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture, by the way, 
The Bible will still be here, and Discovery Channel will be off the air. I'm just telling you, all right? Mark my word. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of God, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So like I said, you know, the, the story, it's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the Bible. If you have your copy, go ahead and pick it up. I, I, I want to I point some things out to you, okay? Um, you have a table of contents, okay? And you can see there you have your 31 chapters. This is like, you know, this is preseason. The season starts next week, right? This is our preseason game, kind of overview. But you can see there's chapter one next week, and each week you guys, this week you'll read chapter one to be ready for the message next week, which will be creation, the beginning of life as we know it. That's the message that we're going to be talking about next week, okay? You, you, you also find in here that there's a, a, a timeline of the story. And, and basically every chapter, it kind of breaks down, you know, where it is on the timeline of human history. And, and, and by the way, the only date that we can date with accuracy is the call of Abraham around like 2100 B.C. Anything before that, we're just guessing, so I'd rather not guess, all right? And so they left that blank. They got it right. Okay, we don't know that one. And, and, and so you have the table of contents. And if you have yours, turn to page 7. I want to point something out. And you're going to see that, uh, like here, you're going to have, you'll see that there's, there's normal font, and that's where, that's just the NIV Bible, okay? And then you're going to see some stuff occasionally that's in italics. And what that is, that, that's a transitional summary, you know, because this is where they're going to take you from, okay, we just ended here, and we're going to jump over some scripture, and we're going to kind of summarize this for you. Now, that's not actually God's word, all right? That's a summary, but we all had study Bibles. We kind of get that. And so, like this one here, you know, it, it, we have Gen- it takes us from Genesis 4-9 to Genesis 6-5. Genesis 4-9 goes, now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. And while there we're in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. And then we have this transitional statement, summary. Uh, The tragic accounts of the mistakes and poor choices of Adam and Eve and their firstborn son Cain are echoed in the later stories of hardship and tragedy for their children and their children's children. As people began to populate the globe, leaving the era of Eden and traveling as far as feet and beasts would carry them, humanity's legacy of hate, anger, murder, and deception played out as people continued to neglect their relationship with God. Eventually, nearly everyone just plain forgot their creator and the whole point of being alive. For most people, life became one big party with no thought of consequences except for one man. And then it jumps into Noah. You'll notice at the bottom of page 7, they have, there's a footnote. And every now and then, they're going to they're gonna put a footnote, and they're going to describe a term to you so you can understand it a, 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 little, a little bit better. Okay? And, and in the back of the book, you'll see that there, there are study questions in the back of the book that you can use in a small group setting or at home or with a friend over coffee. And there's also in the back of the book, there's a, there's a list of major characters you encounter with a short one or two sentence definition of who that person was. And also in the back of the book, you'll see every chapter they'll tell you, you know, here, like next week, we're reading Genesis 1 through 3 and 6 through 9. It'll tell you, even though they took them out. They'll say, in chapter 1, these are the Bible verses, chapters that you're going to be reading this week. But in the actual chapter, they take those things out. Okay, now we have these available. Okay, um, get them while they're hot. Okay, uh, if the cost is just five bucks, you're not going to get a better deal anywhere. You on Amazon.com, we got a really good deal on these. So far, I've got about over 400 at that price. And, and uh, you know, I don't know how many we'll have left after the day. Um, they're $5. If you can't afford $5, we'll give it to you. Um, and, and I want you to get your own copy you know, because you know, $5 for 31 weeks, that's a pretty good deal, right? It's not that much money. But you know, you're not going to highlight and underline the same thing your spouse or kids are, right? You know, and and so, so go ahead and get your own copy. And uh, the really awesome thing is, is that everybody in Maple Grove is doing the same thing. You know? yeah, so so Maylee and Gentile, my, my second and fourth grader, Next week, they're going to be talking about creation. And so we can talk about the same thing. The students are, are doing the same thing. The kids are even going to, children's church every week is going to get trading cards, you know, that they can collect. And I understand that some of the authors are actually going to be showing up at church a few weeks, like Moses, to come sign his trading cards and stuff. So that could be, yeah, you may want to get in on that one, all right? And, and let me make something clear, you know, this is not a replacement for the Bible, all right? It's a tool. 
It's a tool. You know, I'm not saying, okay, you don't need your Bible. You still need your Bible. Uh, this is a tool to help us understand uh, the Bible better. And, and see, and really the goal ultimately at, at Maple Grove this year is not for you and I to get through the story, but for the story to get through us. Because the truth is, even though the story has been out here for a long time, some people don't know it. Some people don't get it. George Barner did a survey and found out that 80% of all Americans, 90% of all Americans have a Bible. Most have about four. And that 86% of Americans see the Bible as least sacred and holy. And then that 84% of 19 to 29-year-olds have no idea how the Bible applies to their life. I mean, it's confusing, the language is awkward, the names are funny. And, and you know what? I, I get that. I get that. I understand that. I mean, I remember my very first Bible. I don't have it anymore, but I, I can still see it. It, it. it was a King James with a black cover, and, and I can still see the, 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 the presented two page. It, it was written in red. My mom filled it out, red ink. I can still see it when I close my eyes. It presented to Steve. June of 1967, it was 10 years before I was born. She was a prophetess, okay, (laughs) (laughs) from mom. I I, I remember. I remember what it looks like. I remember that page. I I remember she wrote it in red ink, and that Jesus' words, I think, were in red ink too. But you know what I don't remember? I don't remember ever reading any of it. I don't remember reading one verse in that entire Bible ever and I'm not sure why. I may have been intimidated. You know, like, well, I don't, I don't know where to begin. What is this thing about? It's kind of like when I get a new phone. You know, I, I had a, uh, two years ago, I just had a flip phone with the battery back missing. Well, I held my battery with a hair scrunchie, all right? You know, and, and so it wouldn't close all the way, but that's what was my phone for like two years. And then I got a droid, and it's like, hey, okay, this is cool. And then we switched over to my, the iPhone. You know, and I was like, first few weeks, I hate this phone. I hate this phone because it wasn't, I hate this phone. Now I go, wow, I love this phone. I love this phone. You know, but at first I'm scared. To, well, I don't know. How, I don't, how's this thing work? You know, and maybe I think I was kind of that way about the Bible. But I also remember, I also remember when this book really began to grab me for the very first time. I was 19 years old, studying at the Navy Nuclear Power School in Orlando, Florida. And it was like, wow, I can read this thing? I, I can read and understand it. I don't have to depend on some, some guy to stand up front and read it for me and, 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 and tell me what it says. I can read it for myself, and it changed everything. And what I want to do you know, uh, this morning uh, as we wrap up is, and don't get too excited about the word wrap up, is because <laughs> I didn't mean wrap up, wrap up, like you're leaving anytime soon. Like, okay. <laughs> it, it is... Uh, I, <laughs> Let me get a drink of water. Visitors are getting scared. I don't want to look at anybody's face right now. Oh, oh, I love it. I love it. I'm messed up. Um, I'm Steve, and I'm messed up, and so are you, so ha-ha. Okay. I want to look at a passage in Luke chapter 24, and the reason I want to do this is because in this snapshot, we see a picture of what happens when the story, when God's story begins to come alive in somebody's life, when they begin to get it. Luke chapter 24, beginning at verse 13, it's Resurrection Sunday. Good news, but that same day, two of his Jesus followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them, but God kept them from recognizing him. I love Jesus right here. He asked them like he didn't know. Hey, hey, hey guys, what you talking about? What are you guys talking about? You know, they stopped short. Sadness written all over the faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you, you got to be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there the last few days. And Jesus still having fun. Really? Something happened? I didn't, maybe I didn't get my paper in time. I should have checked my news feed. Um, um, what things? The things that happened to Jesus, the men from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and they crucified him. We had hoped he was a Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. 
Then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early in the morning. They came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing. And they had seen angels who told them, Jesus is alive. Some of our guides ran out to see him. And sure enough, his body was gone just as the woman had said. That Jesus said to them, you foolish people. You find it so hard to believe all what the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. By this time, they were nearing Emmaus at the end of their journey. Jesus acted as if he were going on. Hey, catch you guys later. But they begged him, hey, stay the night with us since it's getting late. So he went home with them. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly, their eyes were open, and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn? Didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? Hey, did you notice, and this is the first point on the back of your notes, that before Jesus told these guys his story, he asked them about their story. Hey, hey, what are you guys talking about? I mean, you're, you're, you're looking kind of bummed out. Uh, what's going on in your life? And here's the point. Your story matters to God. Your story matters to God. And in your notes, I have this little question there. Are you glad it does? With a little yes and no. And see, my intent there is that you take out a pen if you're taking notes, and you circle that. And you say, you know what? Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad that my story, I'm glad that what I'm going through matters to God. You can circle that if you're glad. And listen, when Jesus met these guys, their story wasn't looking so good, was it? Nothing made sense. Nothing added up. Nothing was working out the way they had hoped it would work out. Yeah, at this time, their story had pretty much crashed. It was already burning. Now, now, I don't really know where your story is right now. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what struggles you have. But here's something I do know. Your story matters to God. Your story matters to God. He cares about what you're going through at this very moment. He really does. Listen, when God walks up to you and he says, hey, Steve, how you doing? He's not just saying hello. It's just not a greeting. He wants to know, how you doing? Steve, what's going on in your life? How how are things going? Tell the person to your right and to your left. Tell them, look them in the eye and say, your story matters to God. Go ahead and do that. Your story matters to God. Your story matters to God. Thank you. Okay. Amen. Amen. The psalmist writes these words. Uh, all right, let's do this. Let's do this. I mean, think about what you're going through. Think about what you're facing. Think about all your struggles right now. And sometimes you don't think people care. On a count of three, I just want us to say, my story matters to God. We're going to say it together, not repeat back. So we look smart for our visitors, right? Like we can do this, right? Okay. So, so a count of three, right? Think about what you're going through. You think nobody cares, right? But a count of three, we'll say as loud as we can, really believing it, and let it settle deep into our hearts. One, two, three. My story matters to God. My story matters to God. The psalmist says, you keep track of all my sorrows. You've collected all my tears in your bottle. You've recorded each one in your book. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 7, the Lord said, I've indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave masters. And I am concerned about their suffering. Peter said, give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. You know, most of you know that I, I journal. And journal, you know what journal is, most of it for me? I'm just saying, Dad, here's my story. Here's what's going on. I've been doing it for almost 20 years. And just the other day, I, I, I'm rereading, don't, 
ever loan me a book if you don't want it to come back looking like this. I mean, I destroy my books, right? I journal in my books. And, and I was reading a chapter in this book, uh, One Month to Live, and I saw something I wrote three years ago. And I go, whoa. I just want to, it's just me telling God. I wrote it on February 23rd, 2010. Here's what I wrote. Dad, I am so broken as I read this. I just want to crawl into your lap and cry. And here you tell me, Steve, everything is going to be okay. Dad, is everything going to be okay? God cares about my story. I got to tell you, I wouldn't make it. I I wouldn't make it through the day. I got to admit it. Yeah, I need a crutch, and that crutch is Jesus, and he can hold me up, all right? I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not ashamed to tell you I need Jesus. I can't make it through a day without freaking out and being overwhelmed if I don't have Jesus with me. Jesus cares about my story, and he cares about your story. He cares about your story, and he cares about your story, and he cares about your story, and he cares about the story of every single person in this world. Amen. Thank you, God. (laughs) Wow. And and the next takeaway from this passage is, is that the heart of the story it's Jesus. Then Jesus, out of love, I mean, we think we got it right. I think Jesus nailed it. We think we know, right, how Jesus fits in everywhere. Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Hey, here's what it was talking about, guys. And, and really, if you, the Bible can really be summarized down into three chapters, And one title, big picture, of the entire Bible is Jesus is coming. See? Old Testament, guess what it's about? It's called Jesus is coming. Next chapter two, the Gospels. Jesus is what? What do you think? He's here. Woo! He's here. Wait's over. Wow. And and the rest of the New Testament is what? Jesus is coming again. It's Jesus. That's what this book is about. It's about Jesus. I kind of, in your notes, I I broke this down of a summary for you a little bit, you know, that, you know, in Genesis, you know, because the Old Testament of Jesus is coming, in Genesis, God reveals that Jesus is coming. Now, the reason I say reveal, because God already kind of planned it, because he created us knowing we'd screw up, and so it wasn't like, oh, wow, these guys screwed up. I better figure something out. Let's go to plan B. He already had Jesus coming. The lamb was slain, Revelation says, before the creation of the world. And then from Exodus to Esther, God prepares his people. I got to get these people ready. Got to get them out of slavery. Got to get them to recognize there's really a God. I got I to give them a, a covenant. I got to give them the old covenant. I got to give them my law. And then in the poets, these five books, it's the poets, they long for his coming. Like, oh, Jesus, you got to come. We need some wisdom because we don't know what we're doing. Jesus, you know, that's Job, Psalm, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. You know, it's like, hey, Jesus, you got to come because, you know what, without you, my life has no meaning. Yeah, I, I, I tried it all, wine, women, and wealth, and it's just empty. Jesus, Jesus, you got to come because I, I want to know what true love is really about. And then the prophets, you know, God's people, they hope and expect this coming. They're like, Jesus, we have so screwed this thing up. It's a total mess. Please come and fix it. Come here soon and fix. We made such a big mess. Jesus is coming. Jesus is here. We're in the third chapter. Jesus is coming again. Understand, God's story is all about Jesus. How he came to rescue us. How he came to redeem us. How he came to renew us. How he came to restore us. Yes, from Genesis to Revelation, it's one story. The story of a loving God. The story of a father and son who will do absolutely anything they have to do in order to get those people, get their people, their sinful fallen people who keep making mistakes, who keep turning the wrong way, who keep turning their back on him. It's the story of a father and son doing whatever it takes to bring his people back home. And listen, amen, you can clap for that. That's a good story. And, and, and listen, listen. Without, without his story being part of our story, our story will never really feel complete. Understand, regardless of how much money we make, regardless of the promotions we get, 
the home we live in, the car we drive, the applause we receive, the pleasure we experience, the stuff we accumulate, without Jesus, without God, without his story as part of ours, it's incomplete. And I don't have to tell you that if that's where you are today. You already know. Now, one of the reasons I'm so excited about the series is this concept that, that I keep hearing, hearing again and again as I study for these messages in this entire series. It's the concept of, of the upper story and lower story. And basically, the, the, the lower story is the one that's being written and told from a six-foot six foot perspective. It's what happens in our day-to-day lives. It's horizontal, right? Six-foot level. It's what we see. In the lower story, we're dealing with things like pain bills, crying babies, messy diapers, right? You know, trying to get over the flu, dealing with breakups and conflict. It's just life. It's the stuff that happens. That's our lower story. And the truth is, sometimes our lower story is not so good. It wasn't so good for these guys Jesus met, right? Their lower story was tanking. They're broken, they're weary, they're discouraged, they're downcast. Everything they had put their hope in was gone, at least so they thought. And listen, as we we go through the story, we're going to meet people after people, just like us, who, who their lower story pretty much wasn't so good. Wasn't going that well. But there's some good news. See, there's another story going on. Y'all need to hear this, all right? If you've been sleeping, wake up, all right? You need to hear this. There's another story going on. There's another story than just this six-foot horizontal story. And it's pretty awesome. One of my ways I love to, an example of this is June 6th, D-Day, hitting the beach. The guys on the beach, their lower story, their six-foot view, as they're watching their buddies get shot, 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 you know what they were saying? We're losing. We're losing. We're losing. But the commanders in the air who had an upper story perspective, you know what they were saying? We're winning. We're winning this thing. We're winning this thing. We're getting it done. We're not losing. We're winning. We're winning. Understand, with God, there always is, there's an upper story. And the upper story is how God is moving in and through. Cross out that word, those. I don't like that word anymore. The upper story is how God is moving in and through all events. To restore the world to the way it was meant to be. Our God's on the move. Our God is active. Our God is living. Paul said it this way, right? He said, and we know. We know this, guys. We forget it, right? When our lower story is tanking, we forget it. He says, hey, we know this. We know this. There's this upper story. And we know that God is causing everything to work together for good. For those who love him and are called according to his purpose for them. Understand, as we... As we view the Bible, as we view life through the lens of the upper story, we see that our God has been up to something pretty amazing from the very beginning. Our God is on the move. Our God is working out his plan. Our God is working at good out of the mess that you and I continue to give him. Our God is preparing for a final and forever with him. Guys, I, I got to tell you, I, I, love, I love the upper story. I love that there's something more than just what I can see. One more takeaway from this account in Luke 24. Woo! Okay. Seriously. Seriously. Wow. The story's still being written. No, I like... See, these guys, they they didn't just tell Jesus their story. They didn't just hear his story. They became what? Part of the story. How do I know? 2,000 years ago, 
Who are we reading about? Right? These guys never heard of Charlottesville, Virginia, did they? They never heard of Maple Grove, but they're part of the story. We're in church reading about their story. They became part of the story. Now understand, God's story was being written thousands of years before you and I even showed up on the screen. God's story was being written when a, when a flood covered the earth. God's story was being written when God promised an elderly man and a barren woman that they would have so many children, it would outnumber the stars in the sky and the sand on the shore. God's story was being written in a manger in Bethlehem, and God's story was being written on a cross at Calvary. And God's story is still being written today. And the life of the, of the worker or student who feels like, man, I'm the only Christian here. God's story is be, being written in the spouse who has not given up on their mate even though they could. But for some reason, they hold on. For some reason, they pray, God, God, can you change the story we, we are in? Can you rewrite the story? God's story is being written in the person who, who, who doesn't curse cancer but rather accepts it and overcomes it. And listen, no, no matter what you may be going through, no matter what you may be facing, God still longs to overlay your lower story with his upper story and write his story on your life. In Luke chapter 24, it says, then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. They're like, whoa, it's Jesus and he's been here the whole time. The whole time we're bummed out, discouraged, thinking it's over, nothing to hope in. He was, we thought we were alone. We thought he was gone. We thought it was over. But he was with us the entire time. Whoa, gee, where'd he go? <laughs> Dude, come on. I finally forgot where you're going to go. Dang it. And that's what God wants to happen to each of us in 2013. He wants our eyes to be open and for us to recognize him and to recognize that in the midst of our lower story is his story, is his upper story, is Jesus. You see, see, I don't want us just to know the story. I want us to know the author of the story. And when we do, when we do, when we recognize him, when we see the upper story, when, when the pieces come together, I'm confident that our hearts will burn. Didn't our hearts burn? With us as he, as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us, our hearts are burned. Yeah, there, there's, something, there's something going on here. There's something more. There's something bigger. There's something better. There's something stronger. There's something gooder. There's something that can never be shaken. Moses says, you know what? There's something more than the desert sand I keep sucking in every time I breathe. Joseph said, you know what? I, I, I know. I know my brothers betrayed me. I know I'm in prison, but you know what? That's my lower story, and I know something more is going on. I know that someday I'm going to say, you know what? These people meant to do these things to hurt me, but God, you were working out your plan the entire time. All I could see was the lower story, but there was this upper story that you invited me to be a part of. Maple Grove, it's January 13, 2013, and our journey into this story has begun. Now, how can you get the most out of the story? Get you a copy, your own copy. Talk about the story with your family. Join a life group. I know we had this first ever group link, but you know what? If you're not in a life group, this is a way to do it. Sign up. Share the story with someone who needs Jesus. You know, George Barner did a, another survey where he found, check this out, 85% of people who don't go to church said they would go to church if somebody invited them. And then he surveyed 2,000 Christians, and he said, this is the percent of Christians who in the last year of 2,000 invited somebody. You know how many Christians invited someone? Out of 2,000, four. Four people. Guys, there is no better time to invite somebody to church than right now. There's nothing people you know need more than to know 
you know what? You, you, you know people, don't Anybody know someone who doesn't know Jesus, who has a lower story that really stinks right now? Anybody know anybody? Okay. Yeah, yeah y'all should be raising your hands. You're just scared. You think, I'm going to make you do something. <laughs> no, God is going to make you do something. I can't make you do anything. Um, and they need to know, don't they? You know, I, I, I'm so glad that that, that, that that wasn't the whole story. God, I'm broken. I see no hope. But that's just the lower story, Steve. That's just the lower story. Okay, I, I want to share something I think is really cool as you wrap up. It's going to be fast. Don't get scared. It really is close to wrapping up. But, but, but you know what? Jesus taught us to pray with the upper and lower story in mind. And I don't think it was an accident. And you ever notice which one came first? Here, here's, what, here's what Jesus says, right? Upper story. This is upper story stuff right here. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's upper story stuff. God, God you're in heaven, and, and God, we want your perfect will to be done. We want your name to be honored. We want your name to get glory. And then Jesus says, okay, but here's some lower story stuff, because you're, you're still down here. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. You see, while we're in this lower story, you know what? We still need to eat. We still need to pay bills, right? And guess what? We're going to get hurt, and we need to forgive those who hurt us, and, and and we need to avoid that voice that whispers in our ear, go ahead and do whatever you want to. Nobody will ever know. we got to avoid that voice so the evil one does not lead us into temptation. You see, Jesus taught us to pray with the upper story and lower story in mind. Would you stand with me? We're going we're gonna to read that prayer together. And I'm going to ask you guys, I'm, number one, let, let me just say this. You don't have to do this. You know, but if you feel like it, you know, as we pray this prayer to God's upper story, just lift your hands in prayer to him as we recite this prayer about God's upper story that overlays our lower story. Okay, we're going to do this on three. We're just going to read it together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen. 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 Here's a statement I kind of want to throw out as we leave. What we're trying to do this first Sunday, the the only preseason game of the regular season here of the story, is God empowers us to live the lower story from an upper story perspective. Everything that happens to us in the lower story, whether good or bad, and you guys got some stuff happening to you. You don't know my stuff. I don't know your stuff, but whether good or bad, okay, God empowers us to live the lower story from an upper story perspective. Everything that happens to us in the lower story, whether good or bad, will work out for the good if we align our lives to his superior calling and story. Why? Because he's faithful. Why? Because he's always there. Why? Because he he cares about our story. Why? Because just like those guys in Luke 24, they thought Jesus was gone. He was there the whole time. Understand, our God is faithful. Our God is here. And never once, not one time in our life, has our God ever left us alone because our God is faithful. We serve a faithful God. We serve a great God. We serve a God who's in our corner, who's on our team, a God who is for us all the time, and who loves us. He's faithful. He's faithful. And as you and I live out a lower story, we're gonna, I'm going to pray and we're going to sing this. And you make this a declaration to God because maybe today the light came on. And you go, wow, he's been here the whole time. He's been here the whole time. And maybe you're today and you're not, your walk with God isn't where it needs to be. And maybe you're not even sure how to straighten it up. You can talk to me now. I'll hang up here after the service. Because I, I, I want to see God's upper story overlay your lower story and change everything. Turn everything right side up. Let's pray. God, we love you and we're amazed by you. God, we're so thankful today that, you know what, there's more than what we see. There's more than what we can see, God. 
There's something eternal, Lord. There's a story going on, and, and nothing can stop it. Nothing can stop your will, Lord. Nothing can overcome it. You're faithful. And we thank you, God, that we look at our lives, we see all the times we thought we were alone, but we weren't alone. And God, I just pray for everybody in this room, and as we sing this song, the Spirit just speaks to us, and we just celebrate the fact of who you are and that you're faithful. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, this is a good song. You're going to love it.